Hey everybody, welcome to a special emergency podcast. The DC3 cast has gathered on a rare Sunday night to record about all the New York Comic Con comings and goings. We had recorded on Thursday night our regular show, and so at the end of this episode you're going to hear the first segment we recorded that night, which talked about Milestone and Tom Strong joining the uh, Terrifics book and... uh, Grant Morrison co-writing Sideways. So we're not going to talk about that stuff right up top. you hear that stuff later. We're going to deal with everything else. And there was a lot that was at this convention. So um, I am Brian. As always, I'm with Vince and Zach here. And we're going to talk about all this stuff. We're going to try and get through it in a reasonably quick fashion. But knowing us, this will be a four-hour show. So, boys, let's start with Doomsday Clock. We got uh, a Doomsday Clock Ashcan, um, which has a, a bit of a bombshell at the end of it. Um, but let's let's sort of, before we get to that, it turns out that at least the beginning of this story is taking place in 1992. That's interesting because we have been told that the bulk of the story takes place a year ahead in the DC Universe. So I don't know how much of it's going to take place in 92, but it begins the weekend that The Death of Superman was released, which is a really interesting and obviously um, purposeful choice to begin the book there. There was there were some great tweets specifically by at VJ underscore underscore OSDRWSKI and at Brian is a nap about this underappreciated tweets if you ask me um, that made some jokes about various nineties uh, ephemera mixing up with the uh, the Watchmen characters so I, I, if I were you I'd go back and check that out but um, <laughs> if you're a fan of Pearl Jam references or Crash Test Dummies references or Crash Test Dummies uh, then double check those out but um, the big news here, guys, is that the the end of the book, the last page, reveals uh, Rorschach seemingly alive and well, walking through a prison, letting people out. I told you. I told you guys. And now I have to fulfill the suicide pact that we agreed on. <laughs> uh... So let, let's talk about this. What are what do you guys think are the odds that it's actually Rorschach? That it's not somebody else wearing the Rorschach mask? I I think it's ninety nine percent chance that it's someone else wearing the Rorschach mask. And I have two guesses as to who it's going to be. But Vince, what do you think? <laughs> well, it did occur to me that maybe it was like Batman or something. Um, oh, see that I did not go that far. <laughs> no, because I, I guess kind of really quick and maybe this is jumping the gun a bit but kind of alluding to what you were saying brian about this being in 1992 and it's supposed to take place a year in the future for dc i think that we're still operating on like two different worlds here yeah i agree yeah Um, i think so too i think ultimately Either Dr. Manhattan or Superman is going to be plucked from one and taken to a place outside of time and space to, uh, you know, discuss whatever they're going to discuss philosophically in the in the meat of this story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did call it a direct sequel to Watchmen, so that explains that explains this, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is that's why. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess he did tell us. We didn't we didn't believe him. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I I'm interested to hear who your your two guesses are cuz I okay. I have my guess. Okay, so I, my my two guesses, one of which was was um informed by the text of the ashcan and one is is not my first guess was the one was that was not informed by the text of the ashcan was that it's night owl that you know it mentions in the in the text that he is that he has gone missing and that you know, nobody knows uh where he is and you know he was partners with Rorschach and i could see him sort of cynically coming around to the idea that like Rorschach was right essentially that you know that people are shit and you know whatever and so he is he adopts that mantle to sort of you know uh pay pay homage to his his former partner and as a representative of his sort of more nihilist outtake on thing, outlook on things now uh that's my first guess my second guess is that we also hear that uh Ozymandias has been missing this whole time and i think that the last place anybody would expect to find Adrian Veidt is under Rorschach's mask. Interesting. Um, I don't know if we picked this up from the text, because I only I only read it once. I'd have to look at it again. Um, but that scene where there, someone is breaking into a base and there's a like x-ray picture of someone's brain... Uh-huh. I saw in someone's commentary, it may have been Newsarama's, that that is, that is uh, Ozymandias. He has a brain tumor. Yeah, and I think that's, you know, they're breaking into his compound, I believe, after all after this was all revealed to be his plot his or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so they're breaking into his compound and they see these x-ray pictures which ostensibly he had taken on himself mm-hmm. I think is what we're supposed to take from that so I could see that maybe you know man with a um, you know kind of a limited amount of time left to live possibly you know kind of having a crisis Going swinging the other way. <laughs> I didn't mean it quite like that sounded, but <laughs> no, I don't, no, no. But I, I, I think that could easily be right, and I think that, I think if that's the answer, I, I, ultimately, I don't think we needed to know what what. I don't want to see Adrian Veidt have a face turn or something, you know? Yeah, like. I was semi okay with this idea that that uh, Johns was going to take Manhattan and apply his outlook or personality as a, a human turned god becoming less human all the time and putting that up against the DC universe. I was more or less okay with that. I don't. I don't want a story that tells me what happens next in Watchmen. <laughs> you know? Well, okay. I, this, this is not what I expected to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, you're, you're bringing up the, uh, 
you know, Adrian Veidt's potential face turn or whatever you want to call it is a perfect example of what, like, that's not what I was originally bargaining for with this series. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'm strongly against that idea. I, um, yeah, I don't know. It is kind of like, I mean, it's kind of weird that we're getting, we are getting after Watchmen after all, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it's also weird because as I'm reading this, at first it seemed like, you know, Johns has said, you know, whatever, this is influenced by the current political climate. And it seemed like he had basically, at first, just kind of, like, thrust the DCU, like, one year into our own timeline. You know, that's kind of what it seemed like at first. Mm-hmm. Um, like, this is where we're going to be a year from now. Um, but then you find out that it's actually seemingly the Watchmen universe, and it's 1992. And yet it's, I don't know, it's still seeing it seemed a little heavy handed a little, I, a little. <laughs> um yeah yeah very heavy handed the first panel of this thing is uh zooming in on somebody's protest sign that says the end is here you know i mean that's and of make america safe again sign which is miraculous considering that that was you know this would have been 25 years before make america great again (laughs) right yeah um that horrendous horrendous dog whistle of a slogan um so i i'm beginning to think with this that there's like four or five reveals in this that are going to change this book from what we thought we were getting. I feel like the initial thing we heard, you guys were all about like, oh, they're not going to bring in the, the Watchmen characters. It's it's a symbolic thing. And then we got, oh no, there's definitely going to be Watchmen characters in there. Then it was, well, it's Superman versus Dr. Manhattan. Then it was, well, it's taking place in the Watchmen universe and it's a direct sequel to Watchmen. Then it was, oh, Rorschach's walking around. I feel like we're not going to know fully what the story is until the story's done. I think it's going to change quite a bit. And I think just the fact that there are elements... I, I I know John said this weekend it's a direct sequel to Watchmen. I don't believe him, because I don't believe that a direct sequel to Watchmen has a damn thing to do with Superman or the DC Universe. So I think that parts of the book are going to act as direct sequels to Watchmen, but... And this is a really fucking weird comparison to make, so I'm warning you guys now. It's almost like how you could say that uh, that one Kerber Enthusiasm season was the finale to Seinfeld. <laughs> like, yes, that's part of the season, but th- but it really isn't the finale. To- you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of sort of Watchmen follow-up there, but ultimately the story is not about those characters. Right. Yes, I think you're I think you're absolutely right about that. It's just that what what little we get that's a direct sequel. I I I I don't need. Oh, I look, we don't need any of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh to your point, um this 
this whole ash can could be incredibly deceptive. Maybe just a few pages more of this is all we're going to get, and the rest is this. But I don't somehow I don't think that's the case, considering Jeff Johns has teased uh, Lex Luthor being involved with directly with Watchmen characters. Um, it, yeah, I uh, it could take some some turns here and there, but I feel like. I feel like if I'm to take what I see in this ash can and digest it and give you an opinion of it, it's that I I don't want more of this. <laughs> I don't I don't want this at all. Um Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the bad news is we're getting this. <laughs> <laughs> I've said before that that I don't I don't think Watchmen is the end all be all the way that you know a lot of people treat it. I think it's an incredibly well crafted comic. I think I think it's absolute top notch from a craft standpoint. Yes. Um, I think it's it's every page is stunning. Gibbons' artwork is incredible. The entire design aesthetic, everything that goes into that is incredible. The way that it functions as a comic, the way that it plays with the form unbelievable the story is like you know there's parts of it that are really brilliant there's other parts that like it it's a little heavy-handed itself you know um but when you compare it to this it's like uh, this is the reason you don't touch it you know i mean john's say what you will about john's but he does know the medium and he knows the craft and uh, you know, he's been writing comics for decades. He still can't write like Alan Moore writes, you know? And who can? Why are we even trying? Here's and I, the I thing. mean, he tries. He tries. Yeah, yeah that's oh, the yeah, thing. He he, this, isn't, this isn't even like John's taking the Watchmen and doing John's with it. This is John's trying to do more. Yeah. And I can't think of a, you know a worse fit when you talk about the what each of these like major creators that you the, the the biggest writers that you could think of i couldn't think of you know a further fit from more than johns i mean more morrison maybe like his his multiversity thing that was the watchman pastiche was still not like accurate more but i also don't think it was I don't know. It's it was better than this. <laughs> it's it's funny you mentioned that that uh what was that called? Pax Americana? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that is why this is happening. I feel like everybody expected, Really? Yes. I feel like Morrison showed that this could be done. Mm. No, I I I think I think that's the wrong lesson to take from that. Uh, issue of the multiversity, but I, I think that that's why this is happening. That's, an, that's interesting. And you know, you know, they try to get Morrison to do this first. You think? Because <laughs> this seems like John's baby, like through and through. Like this seems like he's something, like something he actively 
wanted to do and thought needed to be done. I feel like that all happened after Morrison turned them down. Mm. <laughs> because it, you know, it almost That's yeah. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry. Well, it, it I mean, I get why they're doing it with the Watchmen characters, but it seems like if Morrison was going to be involved, it would make more sense to do it with like his multiversity characters. I guess it makes and, sense. And then, and then, and well, maybe not makes more sense, but I could see that happening. But then the logical question would be like, well, why not involve like the all of his characters? You know, like all of those multiverse characters. Like if Morrison was doing it, I feel like this would be like a sequel to Multiversity. I don't know. Yeah, that would sell way, way less, I would imagine. Oh, much less, yeah, for sure. Because my Multiversity didn't actually even sell terribly well, you know, compared to other event things. Yeah, I don't know. I I did not like this Ashcan. I think that's pretty uh, pretty agreed upon with the yeah. three of us. Um, but I also feel like I have no... Vince, you said this before, like, we have no idea how much of the story this is going to be representative of. If this is representative of just half of the first issue, or if this is... If the whole series is going to be jumping back and forth between these two timelines, or if the first six issues are this way. We we, we just... We don't know. And so, um, I'm trying not to get... I mean, I was already so down on this before it was even... Before I read a page of it, right? So I'm trying to not get any more down until we see more. And we're going to be seeing more in like a month. That's the crazy part. Um, It feels like it's far away. It's not. It's November. That this starts. Um, I guess my biggest feeling after reading the Ashcan was just, please let this not be Rorschach. Please let it be somebody else. Because... Yeah. Uh, what would the implication be then that Dr. Manhattan actually didn't kill him or did kill him and decided to bring him back? I don't even know. I mean, if this is supposed to be a proper sequel, then you you think it would at least have to follow the logic of the first story. I mean, could he bring him back? I don't, I don't know why he couldn't. Seems like he can do pretty much whatever he wants. I guess so, yeah. I Those mean, are the... he... Yeah, go see, ahead. Then. See, these are the kind of questions that you don't ask about the, watching. That nobody wants to ask, right? Yeah. Exactly. I don't... Oh, does he have the power to do it? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Like, Watchmen wasn't about that, you know? Um, oh, but but we've had this conversation before about people very much... Some people very much do care, like... <laughs> You're right. If, yeah. if Dr. Manhattan can do that. No, you're you're absolutely right, Zach. Um, you're right. I'll bite my tongue <laughs> about what I feel about that. I don't think you're breaking any news here by saying you don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> we already did a whole episode about that. Yeah, we did. But um, Dr. I am Pagliacci. <laughs> uh... <laughs> Um, I mean, 
I, I was sitting here before trying to think of a couple of positives to say about this, and I really don't have too much to say. I feel like I feel like th- there's almost no way that when we look back on this five years from now, that we say like, you know what really worked? Doomsday Clock. <laughs> and on one hand, I give DC credit for having the balls to even try and do this. But on the other hand, why the fuck are they doing this? <laughs> like it just it just doesn't Yeah. It's I um I can't see a I guess what I'm trying to say is like when you when you take a big risk, part of the reason you take that risk is because you have enough confidence in what you're doing to feel like even though this is a risk, it could reap but it could reap rewards that are greater than than I'm imagining. Mm-hmm. Do they really think that there is a universe where this book is anything other than critically reviled? No, and that's the salesmanship part of it. Um, I'm fully convinced that, I hate to say it, this is probably going to ruin our chances of ever getting an interview, but I don't think Shh. that... <laughs> what? Shh, Vincey, you don't want to do this. <laughs> Shh, I'm kidding, go ahead, I don't care. No, I was just going to say, I don't really think that, I don't really think that this is a story that, like when John said, I was only going to do it with Gary Frank, and he and I were both only going to do it if we felt that this was a story that absolutely needed to be told. I don't believe that part, you know? I believe that John's is doing his best on on this book, and he... What what he's producing is something that he likes and that he thinks is is worth putting out there. But I don't think this is a story that he really felt needed to be told. I don't think this is one of those worms that you just have to get out of you. And um, the if reason that's true, if that's true, okay, then why was it the last page of Rebirth? Okay, so because, like you said at the time, Brian, this is their last. This is their hail mary. This is the last thing they have in the chamber, you know. Mm-hmm. This is the last bullet. After this, there's nothing else they can do that's this big. There never will be again. To to include the this story and these characters in amongst their regular publishing line. Um, but what I was going to say is the reason why I don't believe, you know, John's talked about how oh the world's so crazy now and there's. There's so many extremes. Everybody's going to an extreme because of the way things are. Um, I I think that's obviously true. I don't think we can deny that. I don't think we can deny that the Watchmen are, you know, Watchmen as a story is political, right? There are political things about Certainly, it. Certainly, yeah. There are worldly, uh, you know, it's it's... There's there's things in it that that use politics and use world events to their to the end of telling a story about what if um, various types of superheroes got involved in international politics, right? Mm-hmm. So then Johns is at this uh, press conference and he says that Rorschach's outlook is apolitical. That's what tells me that that none of this is truly 
none of this is some burning thing that needs to be told. Because if you think that Rorschach doesn't have a political point of view, then that tells me that you don't understand Rorschach's political point of view and that whatever crazy world you're living in right now, you're not identifying who Rorschach is in that world. There are Rorschachs out there right now. You know? Who would one of those Rorschachs be, Vince? Oh, well, folks, a comedian died in New York, and somebody knows why. Down there, somebody knows. Stood in the firelight, sweltering, blood stained on chest like a map of a violent new continent. Felt cleansed. Felt the dark planet turn under my feet. And knew what cats know what makes them scream like babies in the night. They're turning the freaking cats gay. <laughs> That is the first of a recurring segment on our show we're calling Info Rorschach. <laughs> but that's uh, that's it though. Like like I couldn't read this and I couldn't hear John's words without thinking, "Oh god, he's going to screw up Ror- the idea of Rorschach, whether this is Rorschach or not." And everything in that press conference made it sound like he's writing Rorschach because he said one of my favorite characters to write was Rorschach. <laughs> But he's now, not going to say, like, I know. My, my favorite character to write is somebody wearing a Rorschach mask. I, I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But doesn't that still mean that he's got this idea of Rorschach? Right? What if his idea of Rorschach is that he's Alex Jones? <laughs> then I was wrong, and I bowed to the master because <laughs> he got there way ahead of us. Yeah. Oh... Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, is that does that make sense? Like, that's what's screaming in my head the entire time I'm writing this. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't show us Rorschach, please, because you're not going to get it right. You know, Alan Moore talks about how people took the wrong thing from Rorschach, right? Yeah. And I I thought in the run up to this that you know everything Jeff John said about you know oh I get how sacred the Watchmen are. We're not going to have them literally, you know, getting in a fist fight with Batman or anything. I thought, okay, but now seeing this here in front of me, I'm thinking like, no, you're going to, you're going to get it wrong because everyone else does. Well, I'll shut up now and let you guys talk. I, I really, I don't have much more to say. Um, other than this is just kind of a bummer um and uh, you know we we've been like very ready to heap a lot of praise on dc and i think when we talk about a lot of the other announcements that came out of new york comic-con we're gonna you know it's gonna be more of that but i think we were all kind of hoping that this being the um the culmination of all of this great stuff that's been coming out of rebirth that they would stick the landing, and now it's not so sure. I mean, I think that there's really only one more thing to say about this. And I, I speak for us, but I speak for for DC fans in general. And that's a uh, bitch to be us. <laughs> so. Bitch to be you, Ryan. <laughs> Yes. Well, let's let's talk about some of the happier things that were announced at New York Comic Con. Uh, again, Milestone, Tom Strong, 
Grant Morrison, you'll hear about all that at the end of the show. But um, let's talk about, so one of the things that Zach and I were talking about before Vince joined us in the air tonight is that it appears that DC has completely dropped their Dark Matter title for these upcoming books, and they are now branded as the New Age of Heroes. Which and, um, sounds um, decidedly more positive. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Excelsior! <laughs> the Marvel Age of Heroes. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 certainly I think a reaction to maybe how people felt. I mean, you saw a lot of articles people saying like, "My favorite thing has been how how not dark DC has been. Why are they doing this?" So I feel like that's perhaps just a uh, you know, their way of 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 listening to the fans. I hope, or it turns out there's probably like a, another imprint of comics someplace called Dark Matter that they're trying to avoid a lawsuit with or something you know, along those lines. Um, but a couple of, of bits of news from the the New Age of Heroes panel. Uh, so Dark Knight's Metal was supposed to wrap up in February. That has now been pushed back to March. But in the meantime, there will be a new book in February, another one-shot called Dark Knight's Rising, The Wild Hunt, written by Scott Snyder, James Tynan IV, and Josh Williamson, illustrated by Doug Monkey and Ivan Reyes. And uh, I'm just going to read this one description, which is uh, what our own Kevin Gregory described it as in the news article. The issue follows Detective Chimp, Flash, and Cyborg being chased by the Dark Knights. <laughs> so uh, they said that this is stuff that uh, Snyder wanted to fit in metal and didn't have a chance to. And so, uh, you know, look, is it essential? No, but it's Detective Chimp. I'll enjoy it. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm all for it. It's it put, Detective it pushes Chimp. the metal finale back a month, which, you know, is fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's fine. It gives Capullo more time. Um, it sounds like a fun concept. It's interesting to see how much Williamson has kind of like worked his way into this between, um, I think, isn't he also co-writing the Batman Lost issue? I believe so, yes. And he was co-writer on the... Um, was it the Red Death? No, he no, he co he wrote that, but I think yeah. he co-wrote the um... the Bolton. No, okay, that was Tynion who co-wrote on the uh, the Cyborg one, the, yeah. the Death Machine. But yeah, I think I think it's just the uh, the Bolton definitely the had more lost. Yeah, right, right, yeah. So it's cool to see him kind of move up into that, you know, event book status maybe it won't yeah. be too long before we see him kind of helming something like that yeah um so more news from this panel uh the terrifics the silencer and sideways are all launching in january which uh you know all these books were supposed to launch back in september but you know we're getting the first three in uh in december the next three in january the only one that was announced that does not have a release date tied to it right now is new challengers by Scott Snyder and Andy Kubert. And I have a feeling that that's going to be the one that's going to spin the most directly out of metal. Uh, both because of Snyder writing it and because you know, Challenger's Mountain is like sort of the MacGuffin that begins this whole story. So Yeah, do, do you... what What is that about? Have we... Is it still like a kind of a mystery? Like why Challenger's Mountain happened? They, I think they try and, and explain it a little bit in one of the issues that, like, you know, the challengers went missing, and then X amount of time later, the ma- the mountain went missing and showed up in Gotham. 
Mm. Yeah, but we don't know why yet. I don't think so. Okay. Um, the mountain. The mountain. Uh, the also, m- I just remembered I'm dumb. Josh Williamson did uh, Justice League versus Suicide Squad, so he has done a sort mm. of event book, yeah. Yeah, but but not... That was never an event that was going to, like, shape things. Right. You know what I mean? That that's Those are two very different kind of events. Mm-hmm. Um, in February, we get the first issue of what used to be just called Brimstone, but is now called The Curse of Brimstone, the Justin Jordan uh, book. Who's doing that with Justin Jordan? That's, I think it's um, Tan. Philip yeah, Tan. Philip Tan, I believe so, yes. Um, and then in March, we get a new book, which was just announced this weekend, The Unexpected by Steve Orlando and Ryan Sook, which talk about a creative team made for us. Mm. That's so. Is it about the Spanish Inquisition? Uh, n- no, with as a fine reference, because <laughs> no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, but it, it's all new characters. Uh, he compared it to the Dark Tower and uh, Seven Samurai. These are all things I like to hear. But he, yeah, I mean Steve Orlando, so. Um, that's to launch in March, which is uh, exciting. And uh, the last bit of news from this panel was that Carrie Nord will be taking over for Tony Daniel on the second arc of Damage. And we had sort of suspected that all of these launching artists would not stick around too long, but this appears to confirm that. So um, I didn't yeah. expect to get some Carrie Nord, though. No, that's a very nice surprise. Uh, very, very nice surprise. So, any thoughts on uh, Brimstone, Unexpected, or Damage? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly open to all of these. Out of those, I'm probably most ex- excited about Orlando's book, just because Orlando always, uh, he's always worth checking out. For me. Yeah, I like that the yeah. second batch of books they've announced are all from, um, I, I guess it's kind of insulting to call them young and up and coming because they've had a lot of success, but Orlando and Jason Jordan, um, Justin Jordan. Sure. Jason Jordan is a professional wrestler. Justin Jordan is <laughs> the writer of The Strange Challenge of the Strode. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's nice to see those guys getting a little bit of love because that first batch of, of writers were all very sort of expected long-time DC writers, you know? Mm, yeah. Zach, anything to add? Um, no, I'm kind of glad to see this getting a little bit more, um, you know, form and, and structure to it. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this compares to, say, the launch of Rebirth. Um and it's kind of interesting how DiDio talked about um, one of the missteps he thinks the New 52 had was launching too many books at once and um, how this is almost kind of a, this is more New 52-esque than Rebirth, obviously. Yeah. Um, so it almost kind of seems like if, if Rebirth was a way to like apologize for the New 52, this is a way to for them to like do the New 52 right. So, yeah, it's interesting. We'll see. <laughs> oh, before I forget, I meant to mention this at the end of our uh, of our Doomsday Clock segment. Zach, Vince, and I were talking about how since we're not doing an official book club for November, 
maybe we should all uh, reread Watchmen. That's probably not a bad idea. So, yeah, look for that uh, soon. All right, uh, that brings us to the Young Animal panel, and there is one new book announced. We'll get to that in a second, but the uh, the details of the Milk Wars crossover were revealed, and uh, I've been talking a lot. Why don't one of you guys read these creative teams off? They're in our, our chat window there. Um, so we have the uh, Justice League Doom Patrol that we already knew about with uh, Steve Orlando, Gerard Way, and is it pronounced Aco or is it ACO? I don't, I don't know if we've ever I'm decided sure. that. Yeah. Um, regardless, we also have announced uh, Mother Panic Batman crossover, which I think is like the most obvious of all of them. Yes. Um, by Jody Hauser, illustrated by Ty Templeton. We have Shade Wonder Woman by Casalucci, illustrated by Mark Andolfo. Um, and then we have Cape Carson Swamp Thing, which I think is maybe the most interesting pairing yeah. uh, by Rivera. And illustrated by Langdon Foss. And then we also have the announcement of a new... Um, you have the note this is a six-issue miniseries, is that right? Yes. Correct. Okay, yeah. Um, six-issue miniseries, Eternity Girl, by Mags Visaggio, and illustrated by Sonny Liu, which I feel like just has Vince um, in, a, <laughs> in a right tizzy. Oh my god, that's that's a great creative team, great concept. Um I'm assuming it's uh, like a play on Kid Eternity. I yeah, I think that's how I took it as well. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But regardless, it's I'm, it's going to be its own thing, and I'm I couldn't be more excited for it. Young Animal does it again, guys. Yeah, I think of these of these crossovers. You know, uh, Shade the Changing Girl, Wonder Woman, and Cave Carson Swamp Thing are just super fun ideas. Um. I can't wait to see how they cross over. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I'm hoping that Milk Wars is somewhat of a contained idea of these two things crossing over. And that once they all come back from hiatus, that we get to see those books existing in their own world still. I'm not saying their own continuity, but you know what I'm saying. That yeah. just that we're not going to have all these characters popping up all the time. Oh, I think they, I, yeah, I think they will. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, Eternity Girl especially is a fun idea. And man, we've been talking about how Sonny Liu did that great stuff on Dr. Fate and then was gone from DC for a while. It's nice to see him back in the fold. Yeah, that that art looks awesome. Yeah. Man, Young Animal's been so good. So, so good. Uh... There's a confirmation this weekend that Vertigo is relaunching as of August of next year. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not. This was kind of underreported. Whoever was doing this, and it might have been Lee, somebody said that there are a number of creators signed on to do Vertigo books, but only one of them has worked at Vertigo before. Interesting. And I have to think that's Scott Snyder with American Vampire. Mm. I have to think that that's who they're talking about. And when are we going to hear more? I mean, they can't wait till San Diego, because it'll just be too soon after that. I'm gonna say WonderCon. Okay. Because uh, this is pulling back to current a little bit. When I was talking with DC about a couple of things last week, they mentioned that their big three conventions they break news at are San Diego, New York, and WonderCon. 
Mm-hmm. So with San Diego being in July, the solicits will be long out by then. So yeah. I think WonderCon is when we can expect that. Which let's is... go. Let's go to WonderCon. Uh. It's in March. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> uh, maybe. Um, but they announced two new vertical miniseries, both of which will wrap up before that relaunch. The first one is again talking about like Brian. This is made for Brian. Uh, Deathbed, written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Riley Rosmo. Mm. That's that's a high quality team. And the second is Motherlands, written by Cy Spurrier and illustrated by Rachel Slot. And uh, you know, each of those books got like a small little blurb about you know their basic premise. But I think that these Vertigo miniseries have all been. I think they've been good for the last couple of years, and I think that there's probably even some great ones that I've missed or that I've fallen off on. But I think that this this just very much seems like how they're marking time until August. Does that seem fair? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Even though uh, these are both probably going to be quite good, especially the... Josh Williamson, Riley Rossman book. That's super, super exciting. Uh, and then we got three more little little bits of news to talk about, and I'm actually going to take these boys in, in the reverse order in which they're in the chat window here. Um, first one, Batman Last Night. This will be the final Scott Snyder Bat story, at least for a while, he's saying. There is no release date given for this. It'll be illustrated by uh, Sean Murphy. This has been discussed before. It was originally supposed to be the final arc of All-Star Batman, but then plans changed, so that will no longer be the way it's going to go. Um, Sean Murphy also mentioned this was his last corporate project. He's only going to do creator-owned stuff. Uh, from this I think he on. actually said that he's he's also only going to work for with himself. His he's not going to work with a writer. Right, yeah. It's going to be just him. Yeah. Um, which is interesting. I, it I is interesting, makes, yeah. I guess it makes sense. Um, but... I have a feeling both of those things are going to be short-lived. Maybe not, like, within a year, but I just feel like... Like, think about all the artists that have gone off on their own. Like, has anybody from Image not gone back to work for one of the big two, at least on a small thing? Yeah, I don't know. That's a big question. Yeah. I feel like those Image creators were all like, you know, we're never going back to the corporate comics, and uh, I know a bunch of hasn't. That's true. And as of yet, Hickman hasn't, but... <laughs> I, he's I, coming, baby. He's coming. He's coming, baby, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that it's actually easier for a writer to do that than an artist. Okay. Yeah, that might be true. Um, I'm trying to think see. of artists, but yeah, yeah, I can. All right. Um, we also have, uh, starting in the Flash Annual in January, the Flash War written by Josh Williamson, illustrated by Christian Tuche. And this is, we'll answer the question, who's a better Flash, Barry or Wally? But oh, it Wally. appears, it's a, yeah, it's obviously Wally. But it appears that this is featuring uh, middle Wally, or mid Wally, however we're calling him. Young um, Wally? Well, no. Young Wally or old Wally? Well, not, old Wally, yeah. Old like mid Flash. Like the, not Kid Flash, not the Flash, but like mid Flash. Um, and, uh, you know, he's been, quote, dead in Titans for a while now, according to the solicits. So, wait a minute. Alert, he's not really dead. He's not staying dead? I, I guess not. I, I'm, I'm as surprised as you are. 
I'm never going to believe that anyone in comics will stay dead after they brought back Amanda Waller in Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> well played, Zach. Well played. And uh, the last bit of news before we go to the the stuff we talked about on Thursday and we recorded our first show is... Um, this is a bit of news we, we almost recorded last night, and we would have missed this bit of news, and it's it's bonkers, so I'm glad we're doing this tonight. Uh, there will be a, a reboot of The Inferior Five, <laughs> written by Jeff Lemire and Keith Giffen, illustrated by Giffen, with Peacemaker backups, written and illustrated by Jeff Lemire. Oh, hell yeah. This is taking place in late 80s DC continuity. <laughs> And is going to feature a ton of characters from that time period. Now, if you're not familiar with the Inferior Five, I I understand. They, they <laughs> uh, I, I did a little count before. They've appeared in less than 40 comics since their introduction 51 years ago. Um, they're sort of a parody of of a superhero team. I mean, they they have they have members like Awkward Man and the Blimp, Ableist. Yeah. And uh, fat shaming. Yep. And yep. Uh, dumb bunny is sexist. Yep. And I'm sure the other ones are problematic too. Yes. Um, but it's a 12 issue series beginning in June, and uh, it's a uh, it's really weird. I mean, the only reason I'm familiar with this with these characters is as I've talked about on the show before. I have an entire run of the first. Um, who's Who, and when I was a kid, I used to love those Who's Who comics. I know, like, there's a lot of random characters I have memorized, I know, like, memorized weird facts about, because I read Who's Who incessantly when I was, you know, six or whatever it was. But, I mean, I don't think I've ever read a story where where the Inferior Five played any sort of a major role. Um, It's bonkers, dudes. (laughs) How do, oh yeah, how does this exist? Well, do you think this is something that Lemire's like? All right, I'll come back, but you gotta let me do this Inferior Five book with <laughs> Keith Giffen. <laughs> Don't forget those two were two of the four that wrote Future's End together. Oh yeah, man. Well, he must not have had a one hundred percent horrible time writing that book then. I guess not. I mean, who? who <laughs> Azarello, and then who's the other one? Oh, Jurgens, baby. Of Jerkins. course, how can I forget? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, but this is definitely like the weirdest book DC's announced ever, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I it's I can't wait. It's I'm more excited for that book than any of these other ones. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be nuts, boys. I, uh... And and I remember we we've been saying for years how much like man why don't they let Jeff Lemire draw anything at DC or Marvel? Well, yeah. here you go. I'm in. I'm in because the, they re- did you see the preview they released for this? I didn't see the preview. No, it, the preview is just Lemire pages for his backup, but there's 12 pages that they released. Oh man, and. Oh. I'm going to guess that that either means that they are six-page backups and he, they released a preview of the first two, or if it's 12 pages, that means that over the course of 12 issues, that's like a, that's like a trade, essentially. 
Because six six full length issues make up a trade. Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of for him to draw. I doubt that that's the case. I doubt that's the case as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, part of me is uh, feels a little frustrated that like you know we still haven't got a Shazam book <laughs> or a Legion book, but we've got an Inferior Five book. But on the <laughs> other hand, it's like this is just clearly such a cool passion project. Yeah, that I can't get mad. I can't look a gift horse in the Jurgens. <laughs> so here's my question for you guys. I was thinking, about, I, I wrote up the news piece for this for for Multiversity. Um, like Giffen obviously has a history with comedy in superhero comics. You know, like his bwahaha stuff and all that. Has Lemire ever done anything that's like overtly funny in comics? Mm. There's been subtle humor, but has he ever done anything that's like? That has punchlines and shit. He's never done a comedy book, no. What would you say is the funniest thing he's done? Um, his stuff with Hawkeye could be funny. Like there was some, there was some funny in that. Mm-hmm. I didn't read that, so. Um, I don't know. Was Sweet Tooth? There, there, there is some humor in Sweet Tooth, but it's humor yeah. that like you're crying through. Oh, absolutely, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I think that's the extent of it. So it's it's kind of weird that they're doing a comedy book. Yeah, but cool. I, I, I'm all for this. I'm all for it. I I hope. Here, here's what I hope because I think that Giff, Giffen Giffen still has something to offer. You know, I know I yell at him a lot for his terrible Blue Beetle scripts, but uh, he's got he, something to offer. I'm just hoping that maybe Lemire is like the the lubricant that kind of gets us past any like horrible, outdated and vaudeville style dialogue. You know? Yeah, he's he's there to just kind of be like, OK, but key. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, that sounds right to me. I hope so. I, I'm hopeful. It's a great idea. I can't wait to check it out. Yeah. So, you know, overall, looking at DC's New York Comic Con announcements, I know we didn't get our our Shazams and Legions and JSAs and all that. But overall, what do you guys think about what they announced this convention? It's not at all what I expected, but in some cases that's not bad. I'm I'm overall happy and satisfied. Yeah, I'm I'm very satisfied. Um I, I thought it was interesting that, that they chose well, we didn't even we talked about milestone last time, but you know, bringing that in in this discussion that was a part of it too. So that was a pretty major announcement. But aside from that, there were lots of these little, you know, it seems like every line that's currently going got like a book or two added to it, you know, and that was yeah. the, ex- that was the extent of their contribution to this. And, um, and yeah, so I thought, I thought it was kind of, you know, milestone aside, it was a little on, on the small scale, but, but it was something satisfying in, in sort of each corner of the DCU. And I, and I, I was tuned in the whole weekend, so. 
Yeah, it, it seems to me like DC is is figuring out that not every like not every con or every big announcement season has to like break the bank, right? That they that if things are going well, just feeding the fire with fun little projects like like Eternity Girl or uh, you know Inferior Five, like those. Those are fun enough announcements that people can get behind, and especially because if you look at those two books in particular, those are just some top-notch creative teams. You know, almost nothing that was announced this weekend was announced without a creative team, unlike Marvel, which always announces without creative teams, and not without, like, top-quality creative teams. Yeah. Yeah, it's really impressive. Yeah. Any ideas of uh, of where you think DC will go from here? What the next mutation is, as you as it were? Um, it's it's all it's all Hanna Barbera all the time. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna say. Um... That that we are going to keep saying Shazam and JSA and Legion until the end of time, yeah. until until it actually happens. Uh, maybe, I was, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say maybe that's a good question to kind of end on. When do you think, or what do you think, each of those titles will spin out of? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, I was talking with. Uh, some multiversity staffers at near comic con on uh Friday and we were talking about sort of this question and I said how I could see um the legion spinning out of doomsday clock I feel like that is the one that like of all of these things I feel like the legion is going to be the hardest for them to to bring in because I think more people want the Legion book than are actually going to read the Legion book. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. it's people want it to be part of DC's line, even if they're not going to read it themselves. I feel like Shazam is the character's already established. It's not a huge deal to bring him in. And I feel like JSA people are so excited about JSA that no matter what they do, it's going to go over pretty well. Legion's the one that's going to take the most finessing. And so I think they're gonna they're gonna hitch that to the biggest possible wagon they can, and that is Doomsday Clock. So I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that the JSA book is gonna come out of um, the more I think about it, the more I think it's gonna come out of a Flash book. Maybe, maybe Flash War. Maybe that's where Jay comes back. Mm. So, something I was also thinking. I don't know if they would do this, but we could have like a reverse situation of sort of the the 2000s where Hawk Hawkman spun out of JSA. We could have like a reverse situation. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Huh? Yeah, that's interesting. And then uh, Shazam. I don't know what Shazam's gonna come out of. I really don't. Uh, yeah, at this point. Um, that book has had so many opportunities to spin out of. I mean, it seems like metal, right? They're going to the Rock of Eternity. 
I guess so, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. Snyder had said that Metal is going to set the tone for a number of series for the next year. So that would make sense, I guess. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping he didn't just mean the the new age of heroes books. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I'm uh yeah. any of you guys have different theories about that? Nope. I I wouldn't be surprised if we'd never get a Shazam book. <laughs> Even if the movie happens? If the movie happens, we'll get one. The movie will never happen. There you go. It's not I gonna... think I think that movie has more chance of happening than almost any other one. The Rock is just going to keep doing board game movies and uh he's never going to get around to Shazam or Black I Adam. I don't think The Rock's going to be in it, but I think the Shazam movie happens. You don't think The Rock will be in it? He's nope. not going to be in the first one. He's going to drop out and, do, and he's going to be the Monopoly man in Monopoly the movie. <laughs> he's probably going to be in Justice League. That's going to be after credit stinger. Ooh. I really, that, I wouldn't be surprised about that. That's at all. a hot take. You're not wrong about that. You are not wrong about that. I would imagine the asses that would put in the seats, right? That's like some that's like some uh fast and furious shit right there. I mean, that the rumor was that he was going to be the villain of uh the second Superman movie. Right. Right. So Man, who even knows about how what Justice League is going to do? It could completely change it, depending should... on how it does. We should maybe talk about that trailer since we're all here right now. I, I actually they, haven't watched it. They really? made sure they made sure everyone smiled in it, Zach. That's they the did, one. I, yes. I saw that. I got that from Twitter. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I avoided it just because I don't know. They're really bad about I that uh that last Batman versus Superman trailer that showed off all of the like Doomsday stuff and everything. Like yeah. that was the whole movie, and it gave me more. Um, like hope than I should have had going into that yeah. movie. So I'm just I'm media blackout right now. That's it's coming up soon, guys. Yeah, it is. Yeah. What November? Yeah, this no, month. November seventeenth or something. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's wild. It is wild. It's not going to be good. Let's just say right now, it's not going to be any good. I don't know. Oh, I don't know that it's going to be good, not- but I don't think it's going to. I, it could not be bad. It's not going to be Batman versus Superman, but but almost nothing is. Well, but you know? it could have been. I think there was it a, there been. was a version of this movie that probably existed at one point that was as bad as Batman versus Superman. I think you're right. Yep. So I'm interested to see what we get. It can be a solid five. I think. Isn't it so weird, like how much of a hard turn that 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 the like narrative around that movie has taken just within the past like three months? Yeah. yeah. It's weird. It's it's but, you know all the reshoots, Danny Elfman coming on, reusing the old scores. It's I'm it's I'm wild. I'm worried though that people are going to mistake like these concerted efforts to insert lightness and humor for a tone change. You know, I mean, I it remains to be seen, but like I already don't think that the trailers are doing a great job. They they're clearly trying but I don't think they're doing a great job of selling me that it's really all that different, you know? Although I, you J- know. Jason Momoa looks like an absolute delight. Yes, every, he does. Every time we see him. I, yeah. I also, like, even wonder, 
just with the last trailer, how much the focus was on Wonder Woman. Like, I wonder how much of that stuff came in just at after the, you know, success of Wonder Woman. Oh, sure. I wonder yeah. how much of the reshoots and stuff was just like, we have to have more Wonder Woman. We have to have, like, all the stuff on Themyscira. I, I don't believe that that existed. Yeah. Yep. I think you're right. Yep. Yeah. I have a feeling that they have realized that the only way out is through Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Yeah. And so that's going to be a big chunk of the movie. I'm going to say right now that uh, Aquaman is going to be the sheriff of Rottingham of this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) So, listeners... uh, Vince and I last night were both watching HBO Comedy's presentation of Robin Hood Men in Tights and uh, texting back and forth, and we could not believe how great the guy who played the Sheriff of Rottingham is in that movie. That movie's not good. There is some fucking racist stuff in that movie, and like racist stuff that you wouldn't even remember. Really, really racist stuff, but the Sheriff of Rottingham, like every line he delivered, he delivered... In the best possible way, he's funny. He committed to everything. He's funny. He's charming. He actually knows how to use a sword. It's Aquaman. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, That certainly means that... uh, Ben, to quote Vince from last night, Ben Affleck's going to be the ye old Kevin McAllister in this movie. <laughs> That's what are we doing? That's way too deep. We're back on our bullshit. Everyone we can't knows this. bring our own bullshit into this. When has that stopped us in the past? I don't know. Uh, All right, so folks, anyway. I don't think that uh, Northrop Grumman uh, partnership was that bad of an idea. <laughs> Yeah. Um, just just a, a quick recap from New York Comic Con since I was there, since we're talking about New York Comic Con. I was there for about five or six hours on Friday. It was uh, obviously insanely crowded. Um, the number one cosplay this year was certainly Rick from Rick and Morty. Oh, fuck. Um, every year it's the worst character you'd expect it to be. Like last year it was Suicide Squad Harley Quinn. This year it was Rick from Rick and I've, I've never seen an episode of Rick and Morty, so I'm, I'm not one to judge here, but whatever. Um, there was a palpable energy around DC this year. Oh, you know, we didn't talk about it. Have you guys seen the trailer for Batman Ninja? No, I actually haven't yet. I've been reading it. Batman Ninja is is the Batman anime they made. Oh. And it looks fucking incredible. It it does look really cool. Oh. Oh, man. You have to check this out. Um, one of the art directors behind JoJo is in charge of the film. And it looks so good. There is... This amazing reveal of Gorilla Grodd in the trailer. Oh, mwah, Italian chef kissing fingers <laughs> emoji. So, so good. Um, but, like, the DC booth, it, for those who haven't been to New York Comic Con, DC's booth in the last four or five years has not been on the show floor. It's been, like, in the lobby of the Javits Center. It's hard to describe if you've never been there. But it's off by itself. There's nothing else by it. And they had all the costumes from Justice League there. And, like, obviously every mouth-breathing shithead wants to take a picture of the Wonder Woman costume, whatever, and I, I, that doesn't really matter to me. But there was this, like, energy around the DC booth. Everybody was just so excited to be there, and it seemed like, like they were showing the um, the Batman Ninja trailer and an interview with Scott Snyder about 
metal and a few other things on a loop in that area, and people were cheering while watching the videos. Wow. Like, it, there was just this energy of, like, yes, this is great. And then you walk the rest of the show floor, and I'm not joking. Like, I, I was in line for the bathroom. I was waiting to get a cup of coffee, walking around. All you heard was people saying how shitty Marvel is right now. And this is before the announcement about their questionable partnership was made. This was just, like, people being like, so what has Marvel announced? Uh, Weapon H? I guess, and it was so funny. I, I met up with, for the first time, Multiversity contributor slash uh, former contributor to a, a fake AP Stylebook, Benjamin Birdie, who's a great guy. And uh, we were standing around talking, and he literally said, what the fuck is up with Marvel as Axel Alonso walked past us? Oh. And like he didn't realize it until he was like he was too late into saying it to stop saying it at that moment. Um, oh. But like I'm not joking, that's all anybody was talking about. Uh, an inside source, Wink, told me that all of the creators just spent the whole weekend bashing Marvel. And it's crazy. Like, I I really felt when walking around that, like, the things people were talking about, people were talking about Boom stuff. People were talking about IDW stuff a lot. I heard a lot of love for the uh, IDW Star Trek books which mm. I, I'm not reading any of, but I've heard they're very good, so that, that's that's great. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of love for, like, the Viz booth. There was a huge line of the Viz booth. The Lion Forge booth was really crowded. And, like, it just seemed like nobody was giving a shit about Image or Marvel. And that is so unlike the last, you know, four or five years going to that convention. It's really weird. It's wild. Yeah. Well, uh, stay tuned now for the, the 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 weird first half of this conversation that we're putting at the end of the show. Um, but if you want to talk to us about this and more, you can find all of us on Twitter. I'm at Brian Needs an App. I'm at VJ underscore O-S-T-R-O-W-S-K-I. And I'm at SirFox89. And we'll be back in just a couple days with a full show. And um, enjoy. Thanks, guys. Hi, I'm Paul, the host of the Comic Syllabus Podcast a weekly show on the Multiversity Network of Podcasts. We read widely and we dig deep, bringing different analytical approaches to our study and appreciation of the wide variety of comics out there. Along with comics teachers, critics, and creators, we do close readings of classic and current exemplars of the medium. And we invite you to join us every Tuesday here at multiversitycomics.com. So let's dig deep. We are in the midst of New York Comic Con. I will be there tomorrow, walking the show floor, shaking hands and kissing babies. But lots of DC news broke today. We're recording this on Thursday night after the first night of New York Comic Con. And I would say undoubtedly the biggest news to come out of the con so far is the return of Milestone, which is happening next spring. There were five different books announced as part of the uh, the Milestone Rebranding. We'll get to those in a second. Overall, in terms of books, creative teams, hype, all that, how are you guys feeling about this? I feel pretty good. I'm I'm excited. I'm very excited. About Milestorm in particular? Milestorm? Milestorm? You just about did it too. Milestorm. My, milestorm. God, milestorm. Did you ex- <laughs> so before the show, we were talking about Milestone and Wildstorm and yeah. Well, <laughs> damn it. 
<laughs> Vince has had exactly one beer. We're gonna have to call nine one one. Call nine one one. Anyway, milestone, Vince. What do you think? Milestone. Uh, um, well, aside from the um, the controversy surrounding the the McDuffie estate, you, you, are you familiar with that? Yes, and I want to say it, it's it's fucked up. They should be paying his family his well, share. Yes, and and what I hope is, <laughs> and it, this is a Pollyanna Vince here, right? But uh, what I hope is that in the end, Pollyanna Ostrowski. Yep. <laughs> what I hope is that in the end, not that you know, I don't think they're going to do the right thing on on their own. But you know, if it bears out in court. I'm hoping that the McDuffie estate gets some sort of retribution from this, you know? Agreed, yes. And I'm hoping that that happens in conjunction with Milestone in a way that, like, all right, the line is successful, so this money can be generated, and at, at least in some small way they do right by the McDuffie estate because it doesn't look like that's going to happen, and it hasn't happened in the last how many years and so, um, let, let me just say this before I forget. I I want to say that Milestone, as a corporation, has nothing to do with DC. That Milestone is its own corporation that DC happens to have an agreement with, and that lice, that they distribute their books. So I don't know if this is anything to do with DC or if this is a purely other partners in Milestone conversation. I really don't know. Yes, I. I think you're right because I read something about um, they are currently shopping with other uh, even publishers and media conglomerates to put milestone characters and books out in other forms and things. Uh-huh. So I think I think you're right about that in some way. But um, nevertheless, it's not as if DC didn't screw over McDuffie back in the day. Oh, certainly not. So but I don't, DC has gotten far better about that in the last, you know, five or ten years. I think so, and I hope so. Um, I remember – I forget who it is now. It, do you, this is the most – maybe the most esoteric question I've ever asked in the podcast. Do you guys remember who created the KG Beast? Because whoever it was is a longtime Marvel creator, and he said he got more money from the KG Beasts like 30 seconds yeah. in – BVS than he got from any of his Marvel characters in the Marvel films. Uh, I did Jim, see that. Jim Starlin and Jim Apero. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Which yep. is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So like I said, I hope that's true. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't make up for any of the damage that's been done. Certainly um, not. But yeah, but you know, if nothing else, I hope that that means that they get some sort of financial uh, benefit from this, whether, whether they're done right, you know, just out of the goodness of somebody's heart, unlikely, or in court. Um, apart from that, I just hope it's a place where, you know, I'm a big fan of a lot of these creators that they have on board. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope it's a place where, like, new books and new creators are allowed to thrive as well. And 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 that it stays, you know, with a focus on... Uh, on the new and the diverse and some, maybe some cr- creators that wouldn't get a shot uh, in other avenues at the big two, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm hoping. That's, again, that's Pollyanna here, but... Uh, 
No, I actually think the way it's constructed is remarkably similar to how they're constructing the Wildstorm, where you know it's a, it's a mixture of um, new stories from classic characters as well as updated characters. You know, it just seems like they're being very thoughtful about this, and that they really want to make sure that they're doing this correctly. At least that's the tone that I got from the announcement. It, between you know, we should we should mention there are five books that were announced. One of them is called just Milestone, and that's an ongoing series that will feature Icon and Rocket. There is the Static Shock series. There is Duo, which is an update of Zombie. There is a mini series called Love Army, and there's an anthology called Earth M. And I think that those are really interesting choices. Like you're going to have to do a Static book, obviously. Oh, and um, I love Kyle Baker. I'm a huge Kyle Baker fan, so I couldn't be more excited about that yeah Can that I... is oh. go ahead oh i was just gonna say i i wanted to let you know that i had the strong urge to correct you when you said milestone like there there was a alarm that went off in my head and i almost said you mean milestorm <laughs> God, Let, let's make let's make well. this let's make this our new like inside fresh inside joke on here so that okay. um we save ourselves from embarrassment and we can just say, yeah. oh, I was doing the joke that time. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag milestone. Milestorm. 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 Now I'm so conscious about trying to say anything properly. So it's, <laughs> it's just marbles in my mouth all the way here. Um, uh, but I guess we should say um, that so we were talking about you know static. I said, you know, there has to be a static series. That makes sense. Icon and Rocket are two of the bigger characters from Milestone, so that's definitely, you know, seeing them there makes a lot of sense. But I th- the book that has me the most excited is this Earth M, the anthology book, because that's a great place to bring in new characters, to revive old characters. It's not, you know, I love an anthology book. I love and, an anthology, uh, yeah. This seems like the perfect, like, I wish that every Earth in the DC multiverse had an anthology book. Well, that's so a lot. It, it is, but that would make me very happy. Um, you know, uh, we should mention that, you know, there's a lot of a classic milestone. <laughs> I almost did it. Milestone uh, creators on here. Uh, Reginald Hudlin, um, uh, Dennis Cowan. Um, who else? Uh, uh I guess those are sort of the big two that are going to be in the uh, involved in sort of day to day, you know, milestone stuff. But I mean, overall, I, I think that you know, if if we can if we can put aside Vince's Pollyanna approach, and also put aside the sort of cynical response I've seen online for a lot of people, like you know, that there is no milestone without Dwayne McDuffie, which I think, I mean, look, I think all of us are big McDuffie fans and would love to have him involved but that's just not possible and i you know i think if we, if we leave aside those sort of two extremes i think what they're doing is they're they're splitting the difference reasonably well with 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 new books and with some new ideas and it seems like they're making a relatively solid attempt to have this imprint work this time yes no yeah i think so yeah i'm i mean yeah, misgivings aside, it's the most exciting collection of books and creators um, 
that we saw so far. You know, I mean, we we haven't seen much yet out of New York Comic Con, but it's very exciting. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, I don't want to just like dote on DC too much, but it seems like every time they announce one of these things, it's just like, where has this DC been over the past, <laughs> you know, five to ten years? It's just like every single thing seems to be have like a degree of kind of like um like self-awareness and care and um consciousness that we haven't seen in a really long time uh can i make a sort of weird suggestion about that yeah i was looking back on on a bunch of this i i'm i'm in the midst of of maybe writing an article about this very topic and so i was going back and i was reading some stuff and you know what more than anything else is the beginning of all of this. It's DC closing its New York office and moving to LA. And mm. I wonder if having everybody under one roof is really the answer here. And I was highly critical of that move because, you know, first of all, it, it dashed any dreams I had for working at DC because I live, you know, an hour from Manhattan. But also, I just feel like New York City it has been like the home of comics, you know, for all these years. And you know, it used to be that Marvel and DC had offices that would that faced each other. You know, it was it was this sort of very important part of of comics fandom as the big two were both in in the same area. Uh, but maybe it's just having all of the important deciding voices uh, under the same roof and able to hash things out, not over conference call or email, but you know, actually in person. Mm-hmm. Could be. I don't know. I keep waiting for the, the other shoe to drop, but so far it hasn't been dropping. So, <laughs> well, and 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 again, not to be uh, too partisan here and look across the aisle and 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 poke at them, but Marvel announced a few books. It's early, but they announced a few books and didn't include any creative teams at all. So that's a big sticking. <laughs> Today they rectified that with the uh, Rogue and Gambit series. They oh, did they? Okay, I didn't yeah. see that. But when the initial when the initial announcement came out, it was like, okay, are there any creative? You know, who's, right, doing, yeah. who's doing the art on this? Who was it, by the way? Just it's uh, Kelly Thompson and Perry Perez. Oh, that's good. That's a team I'd read. It oh, is yeah. a solid team. Yeah, yeah. It, it they did also, I think, announce that it's only a five issue mini. Yes, it's a five issue mini. Oh. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm shocked. Marvel announced something as a miniseries, not just ending after five or six issues. <laughs> yeah. But, but, uh, okay. Well, let's um, let's get to maybe the craziest news of New York Comic Con so far. Um, so, I mean, I, it's no surprise that the three of us were already super excited about the uh, the terrifics the. Uh, Jeff Lemire written series starring, uh, you know, Plastic Man and Metamorpho and Mr. Terrific and uh, I'm going to fuck up the name. I think it's Phantom Last. Phantom Last. There we go. Um, but it turns out that the book, I don't know if this is a one time appearance or it's going to be a regular part of the cast that. Tom Strong and family are going to be a part of this book. For those that don't know, Tom Strong was an, is an Alan Moore creation 
from the America's Best Comics series of the same name. Uh, characters haven't appeared since 2013, a Vertigo a limited series in 2013. And uh, this is this is pretty bonkers, guys. It's uh, super bonkers. But also, really quick, we were wrong. It's Phantom Girl. Uh, <sighs> okay. See, but I'm anyway, never going to remember that. We're never going to get it right. But no. yeah, um, this is wild. And um, Wildstone? It's Wildstone. Wild <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, man. So it is interesting, though. I had forgotten about that, uh, the 2013 series. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember who that was written by? Uh, Peter Hogan. Okay. So. But it was still illustrated by Chris Sprouse, who's the okay. co creator. Yeah. So this okay. So I guess there was still at least like part of the original creative team, but I guess this isn't the first time that it's been wrestled away from Alan Moore, per se. Yeah. yeah. Uh, digging uh, through me garbage again, boys. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's I mean, my that's my Alan Moore. I, <laughs> Andrew Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, stock British voice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give away the secret, Zach. <laughs> oh, what do you what do you guys think about this? I'm a big Tom Strong fan and I I even liked that uh 2013 series quite a bit. Um it was a lot of fun and I think I part of me thinks like, wow, this is <laughs> part <laughs> Part of me wants to go along with everybody who's like, oh, they're digging digging through Alan Moore's stuff again. But on the other hand, like, Tom Strong represents something to me that's a little more meta or playful than than DC usually gets. And and allowing him to be brought in here tells me that that DC is willing to try some things and they're not always going to work, but they're willing to, they're willing to go places. You know, they get accused of just publishing the big seven justice league members and a bunch of Batman titles, you know, but like we're really seeing them spread their, spread their wings a little bit and, and do some really fringe type stuff. And this just gives me hope that they're allowing creators to go for it a little bit, you know? Yeah, I, I would be much more worried if it wasn't coming from a Jeff Lemire penned book. Yeah. And not even because Lemire is my favorite writer. I just feel like Lemire is somebody who is respectful of of comics in a way. You know what I mean? Um, it's If this was a Scott Lobdell title, <laughs> I, I'd be I – mean, let me preface this. A pre-2017 Scott Lobdell title, <laughs> um, I would be – you know, I'd be – legitimately concerned this also doesn't feel like a cash grab because it's in another book i don't think anybody is necessarily going to be picking up this book because tom strong is in it or at least they're not advertising it in a way to get those i mean are the, are there those those tom strong fans who don't buy other comics how uh, you know <laughs> how, like, how could how could tom strong be any kind of a cash grab in any way you know it's, I mean, it's a I think, fairly fringe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I just mean like it's um like if they were doing it for the shock value, 
they would have put it they would have put that name on the cover. Sure. Um but yeah, Zach, what do you think? I mean, I think it's I think it's really cool um just because in in like a weird roundabout way, I feel like it fits with what we know about I guess kind of like the tone and and like purpose of the book, this kind of, you know, I mean, I guess guess that's not even really fair to say because we really know so little about this, but just something about the mashup works to me because you have, you know, this Fantastic Four analog group mashed up with this kind of like pulpy adventure character. Um, And it just feels like a really inspired choice. I don't know. I'm really excited about it. This just like... I was already crazy excited about this book and now it's just like in a whole new stratosphere. Yeah, I, I think we're gonna see this book coming out in January, the first issue. Uh-huh. So um look forward to an extra long episode that week, folks, of us <laughs> just uh just gushing and gushing and gushing. Uh the uh the next bit of news from near Comic Con came as part of the uh, the Dio and Lee Meet the Co-Pubs uh, panel they do every year, where Grant Morrison just popped by, which is something he's been doing at these things lately, and it was announced that he will be co-writing along with Dan DiDio a couple issues of Sideways, which is one of the um, <laughs> the Dark Matter titles. It involves a trip to Sonoma Valley. <laughs> Shut up, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> uh, you know, you say, I'm not going to get any more fucking Merlot! <laughs> Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, the book is is written by Dan DiDio and co- uh, and Justin Jordan. So I don't know if this means that all three will be covered in those issues, or if Justin Jordan will get those months off, or what. You know, we know so little about how Dark Matter is going to function in terms of uh, you know release schedule and length of of these books. If they're you know they're all being solicited not as miniseries, but I think you're going to see a lot shorter runs on this just because if they are keeping the artistic talent relatively consistent, you're going to have to bend to that more. You know, when you have guys like JRJR and uh, Jim Lee doing the art, you're not going to get 12 issues in a year. Um, But what do you guys think of, of having Grant Morrison pop up here? I'm a fan of having Grant Morrison pop up everywhere. Uh, Literally anywhere. Literally anywhere. Like if I open... He can write a backup story in, like, Scooby Apocalypse. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) He could, if I were to go to my uh, cereal cabinet in the morning and open it up for my my bowl of Wheaties, and he was in there, I'd just be tickled pink. I'm intrigued that you have so much cereal in your house, you have a whole cereal cabinet. I do. Do you want me to, I'll take a picture, send it to you. Please do. Please do. All right. Uh, I look forward to seeing that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think this is fine. You know, I'm, uh, again, I really don't know what's going to happen. Excuse me. I have the yawns tonight, boys. Wow, we got, um, a, we got a lot to go here, Brian. We do, I, we do, I know. I'm going to have to go do some uh, nose candy to uh, get <laughs> wow. me back in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, you know, I, I, I know so little about this character, it's hard to make an opinion, except that Grant Morrison is good. He's so. very good. And and you know the I've been kind of 
interested in this character since they announced it because he has like a um, kind of like right off the bat a Spider-Man vibe, I think. Isn't just it a female his... character? No, the, sorry, the Silencer is the female character. The Silencer is the female yeah, character, okay. yeah. This is like a, I think like a, I think a younger character who somehow gets powers from the dark, dark multiverse and just just the design and I think something I had read in an interview, I just get like a Spider-Man vibe, um, which I don't know. Didio can write cool things sometimes. If and they're so can Justin Jordan. Yeah. If they're OMAC. <laughs> yeah, they're Justin home. Jordan can write very good things. Um, I, it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Yeah, kind of like you said, there's just so much we don't know. Um, One of my goals for New York Comic Con tomorrow is to get Justin Jordan to talk about this. So, You might say that Justin Jordan can write savage things. Ah, that's a that's a comic hero. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, you might say he has strange talents. Oh, ah, yeah. You might say I Luther strode into my comic book shop to pick up the latest Justin Jordan book. Uh, I I know. Uh, sometimes when I'm on the subway, I man spread. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah. uh, believe me, we know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why that voice just happened there, but that's okay. <laughs> um, so, last bit of news we'll talk about before getting to the books is um, it was announced, and I think we kind of maybe you know guessed this, but it's been made official now that um, there will be sort of alternate versions of DC characters popping up in the Wildstorm universe, starting with Oliver Queen appearing in the Michael Cray book that launches next week. Um, it will not be DC continuity versions of these characters. It will be sort of a uh, a Warren Ellis-specific you know, viewpoint. What do you guys think of this? Can I just say that I think I think it's weird that they are not going to be connected to the current DC landscape, considering... How it seems like every time they, every time they announce like a new line of books or a new off kilter type book, they make a point of saying that it is in continuity. Like I'm thinking of uh, Mister Miracle, even though it doesn't feel like the current uh, New Gods or anything, they've made a point of saying, "Nope, that takes place in our, uh, you know, current continuity." Same with. Uh, we're going to have cross well, the, um, uh, Mother Panic. You know, right, right. That's the same Batwoman that we've seen. It's the same Batman. We've been assured of that, and they're going to cross over uh, in the coming months here. And so I think it's interesting. Like that, that made us think. We've talked about this on the show that DC was doing some concerted initiative to make sure that that we knew that they didn't care anymore if there were different levels of maturity or different tones. It was all going to be a part of the same colorful world. And I think it's interesting, not necessarily good or bad, but I think it's interesting that uh, Warren Ellis' Wildstorm relaunch plays by different rules. And I wonder if that's not part of the deal that you just get when you have Warren Ellis, you know? When you, when you tell Warren Ellis he's going to have his own sandbox, you make it entirely his own. 
but uh, that's just speculation. That would be my guess too. Yeah, you know, the deal was I do what I want to do, and y'all shut up. <laughs> uh, it, Zach, any thoughts on this? It'll be really weird if we see um, Martian Manhunter show up in these books before we really see him in Rebirth. Well, and that squat that squashes my theory that the next time we would see the real Martian Manhunter, it would be in Wildstorm. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe the fake one. <laughs> sure. They're all fake. They're, they're, they're all fiction, fake. They're fictional characters, Brian. It's real to me, damn it. None of you understand. I'm not locked up in here with you. You're locked up in here with me. There's the stinger.